Welcome to the Attracting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. My name is Roy Biancolana, and today we are doing part two of a three-part series I have titled Crisis Points. Now, I won't go into a complete description of everything. I did that in the previous episode, but all I'm basically doing here is I'm breaking our lives down into three major phases, young life, midlife, old life. And I'm trying to identify what are the major issues and challenges and feelings and difficulties that come up for us in these three phases and how can we handle them in the most conscious, mindful ways so that these crisis points become a gift from God. That's one of the major emphasis here. The way in which we deal with the, you know, the very common, almost to be expected challenges that face us in these three phases It can either send us down a track of difficulty and drama and pain and heartache, or even though they're very difficult times and difficult issues, they can produce results that we can look back and say, man, that whole thing I went through there was a gift from God because of what it clarified for me. The changes that it sort of forced me to make. Right, So that's my point of view, is that we all go through these phases, we all have crisis points, and it can either be a gift from God or it can be a nightmare. And I've experienced both, you probably have experienced both, and I want to speak to these issues. And so in week one, we talked about the gift of a young life crisis. And the major idea we were looking at there is the crisis for a young person, eh, 25 to 40, is sort of, the the phrase was, the life I'm not living. (laughs) The life I'm not living. And we talked about that from the emotional challenges, the relational challenges, and the professional challenges that a person at that age range often confronts and has to deal with. Today, we are going to be dealing with the midlife crisis. And the phrase that I would use for this one, the idea is the life I am living. The midlife crisis is a recognition that I don't like the life I'm living. It doesn't feel authentic to me. It doesn't, it's not what I want. It's not, it's almost like, how did I get here? How did I, how did I get in this place? 
this job, this relationship, this lifestyle. I don't like, I don't like the life I am living. And so we're going to talk about that today in some very personal and direct ways. But before I do that, I want to quickly mention this promotion thing that I've been doing in this series. I want to do my part to get this podcast as well-known and as big a reach in the world as possible. And one of the ways that happens is by having lots of five-star and very positive reviews left on either, you know, Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. There's always a place to leave a rating and a review. And so I want to promote this with you. And I'm asking that if you would leave me a five-star review and a positive rating, and if you send me evidence of it, a screenshot or something like that, I will give you one of my three books for free, the electronic version, of course. You can tell me which one of my books you want. I would recommend my newest book, Relationship Bootcamp. I, I feel like it's my best, but they're all, they're all my, they're, it's like they're all, they're all my kids. They're all my babies. And you know, you don't love one kid more than another. <laughs> but if someone said, Roy, I can only read one of your books, which one? I would say, eh, go for a relationship boot camp without a doubt. But if you've already read that one, then ask for one of my other ones. Okay. Now, if you've read all my books and you've already left a rating and a review, I just, thanks. <laughs> I mean, I, I got nothing for you <laughs> at this point, other than you've, I hope to have given you some wonderful material. So that's what I'm asking you to do is if, if you would leave me a rating and a review and send me evidence of it, tell me what book you want. I'll email it right back to you as just a way of saying thank you. Okay. All right. Now let's talk about the midlife crisis. And I'm thinking the age range is sort of between 40 and 60. Okay. Now, I should have said this last week. It doesn't matter what age you are. Some of these crisis issues can come up at any time. I mean, you could be 75 and maybe you identified with some of the, the crisis points going on for young people, right? And you could be 28 and feel like you're having a midlife crisis. Okay. You, you, you could be 42 and have an old life crisis issue that we're going to talk about next week. So it's not like these are exclusive to a certain age range, but they are the most common things that happen, I believe, in the age range. And I'm just going basically from, say, 40 to 60 um, when you might have the midlife crisis. And so where do I begin with this? Um, well, let's begin by at least admitting that this whole idea, um, the whole issue, people make fun of it. Um, it's kind of a proverbial thing. Oh, the midlife crisis, you know, and, um, so people have a lot of different attitudes about it from, you know, it's not 
serious, you're being childish, you're being a pussy, you're you know, uh, grow up. So there can be, there can be lots of negative judgments around a midlife crisis. Um, there can also be a ton of misunderstanding as to actually what's happening. Um, and so we're going to talk all about that. Um, I have had a midlife crisis. Um, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. It, it, I made some choices. I had certain things happen in my life that that really made me I sort of was forced into facing some things. And I said this last week. Very often we really do need to face some things and deal with some things and confront some issues in our lives, but we often don't of our own free will. It's too scary or we put it off or we're just – we don't want to mess with it. We just keep doing what we're doing. But sometimes the universe says, "Uh uh-uh, I'm pushing you into a corner and you got to deal with this. You're faced with it. You're forced to, to deal with something that you've been running from. And that can happen in a lot of ways. Very often in this age range is when we have emotional breakdowns, right? We, we, we have nervous breakdowns. We have these moments of deep depression. Like I don't have any stats on this. I'd be willing to bet of all the prescriptions for anxiety and depression, I'll bet you the greatest percentage of them are for people between the ages of 40 and 60. I'd be willing to bet big money on that because this is the the age where we've spent a long period of our lives, you know, doing things, developing a career, a, a, a marriage, a family. And we get to this place And one day we wake up and usually it's not one day, but usually it it kind of feels like all of a sudden you have a realization, like how the fuck did I get here? Like, what am I doing with my life? Is, is, is this the life that I really want to live? Is, is, is this where I want to be the rest of my life is. And so we, we fake, we kind of have these, these moments that can lead to depression or anxiety, um, but more proverbial, they lead to making changes that hurt an awful lot of people. But the first thing I want to say is if you if you have these feelings, like I don't like the life I am living, it's important that you give yourself the grace to simply understand it, to give yourself a big hug for feeling lost, confused, trapped, like you're choking, like you can't breathe, like you're stuck in a life that is not yours. I hate to make this analogy, but I'm going to make it. One of the things that you hear people in the trans 
movement talk about is feeling like they're living in the wrong body, right? A, a woman says, I don't feel like a woman. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not living in the right body and they want to transition to be a man or vice versa. Now, I don't know what your politics are about that. I don't know how you feel about that. But it's unarguable that people feel that way. They feel like, I know what my biology is, but psychologically, emotionally, my feelings, it doesn't match. I feel like I'm in the wrong body. Okay? And again, what you do with that, the sports issue, the children issue, okay, never mind about that. But that's a legitimate thing that people feel. Like I'm living in the wrong body. Well, a midlife crisis is sort of you waking up saying, I'm living in the wrong life. I'm in the wrong place. I'm in the wrong job. I'm with the wrong family. I'm with the wrong partner. I'm with the wrong experience. I'm, I'm, I'm living in the wrong life. I'm not living in, it's not me. How did I get here? And so there can be a, a ton of angst and, and anger and depression. And if you know someone who is in that, and very often the person who's in it doesn't know they're in it. They're just usually making rash decisions that can really harm themselves and everyone else around them because they're just trying to cope or survive. So they often don't know they're in it. But I hope you become wiser through this podcast and you can spot yourself or someone else who's having a midlife crisis. And if you can, I'm hoping at a minimum that you can have a little compassion, a little understanding. Just like I hope we would all have toward a person who says, I think I'm in the wrong body here. I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. This doesn't feel like there was a mistake made, right? Hopefully we can have compassion for those, for that pain. And hopefully we can have some compassion for someone who feels like, I don't know, I don't know what this life is, but it's not the one I'm supposed to be living. And I don't know how I got here. And I don't know what to do about it. And I might do something crazy about it. And so I, I, it's, it's just important, especially if this is you, that you have some understanding you're not alone. There's something called a midlife crisis for a reason. It's a cliche for a reason because it's so fucking common. <laughs> and I think it's a necessary part of our growth and maturity. I really do think that all of us eventually hit a wall where we have to get real, where we have to really face some stuff and sort of wake up. Now, it's how you deal with that that can make it be a blessing or a curse in your life. But I think all of us are going to hit a wall. All of us are going to say, what am, I, what am I doing here? Is this for me? Is this real? Is this what I want? Right? 
there's nothing wrong with that. I think we live our lives in such a way that we sort of set ourselves up for this. I, I think we are very much of a repressed culture. I think we're taught to repress. I think repression is modeled. And when I say repression, I mean because we grow up in environments where there is an expectation or an assumption that we do certain things, we be certain things, we follow certain paths. Men do these things, women do these things. You know, in high school we do this, and then in, and then we go to college, and then and 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 we do not live in a culture. I don't believe anyway, where from the very beginning everybody is encouraged design your own life. Who are you? Follow your heart. What is your truth? Break the mold. Who cares what everybody else says? Right? We're not that way. No, you're going to go to school and you're going to learn all these things in school, but I don't like all these things. I'm interested in art or I'm interested in X, Y, or Z. Tough. You're going to just forget all that. doesn't matter. Suppress it. Repress it. No, you're going to do this. You're going to be this way. You're going to go this way. You're going to act this way. And you, this is it, right? So we're sort of trained to sort of repress or to disassociate from perhaps our innate knowing, our authenticity, okay? So it's either buried or cut off or repressed. And I think most of us go through the motions. We just follow the script, I'm just an actor in somebody else's movie and then the director says, stand here and say that and act this way and that's what I do. And then one day, you're 45 or 50 years old, you wake up and you're like, what the fuck is this movie I'm in? I've been repressing my desires my whole life, my interests, my passions, my purpose. I think we all hit that point and that's why it's a gift from God because you finally start asking the right question, which, which is what is an authentic life for me? Now there's no danger in asking that question. The danger is in how you answer it and what you do about it. There's no problem having a midlife crisis. It's a gift from God. The problem becomes is when you don't know how to manage the feelings and the emotions and the decisions that you need to make. We become narcissistic. It's all about me and what I want. And we don't, we don't think about how can I gracefully and lovingly reorient my life to something that's more authentic and do the least amount of damage in so doing. Very often what happens is we're overwhelmed by these feelings of being trapped, of living someone else's life, and we blow up our lives. We have an affair. That's what I did. We just live a double life. See, instead of owning that I'm living a life that's not mine and just admitting it, dealing with the consequences, very often we start doing something in secret. 
to display this other part of us, to be more authentic, but we're doing it in the dark. We're doing it deceptively. And we start a type of a double life. Very often, we just up and quit our career. And we want to go live in the woods or we want to go surf in Hawaii or something. And we walk away from responsibilities that we have made and committed to. So very often, these feelings come up in such powerful ways that we don't know what to do with them and we take drastic action without real thought, without real presence, without real mindfulness and we blow up our careers, we blow up our families, we blow up our lifestyles because we just can't stand the life that I am living. And so again, the first thing is can you can you have compassion towards yourself in these feelings? Can you have compassion and understanding for people that are feeling the pressure of an inauthentic life? And and can you have the love to support them in finding their own clarity? Right? So the most important thing we can do around a midlife crisis is, is create an atmosphere of not only understanding and an atmosphere of exploration, but an atmosphere of honesty. One of the best things you can do if you're feeling some of these midlife crisis issues is tell people. Tell the people that you are most afraid to tell. Tell your best friends. Tell your partners. If your children are of age to handle these ideas, tell your children. Tell your boss. Because part of what your midlife crisis is about is living authentically. But what happens is we're so scared by it we don't know any way out. And so what we do is we go underground with it and we become deceptive and we start like a separate life. We start experimenting with a different career kind of in the background. Or we start experimenting with a different partner in the background. Or even a different family in the background. Or a different lifestyle in terms of addictions, substances. So if you want your midlife crisis to turn out to be a gift from God, then you want to create an atmosphere in these moments of understanding, of exploration, and of honesty. When something is in the dark, it can be overpowering. When something is brought into the light, when it's talked about, when it's revealed, it loses its power. It loses its grip on us. It, 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 it kind of lessens the seriousness of it, the heaviness of it. But when we're feeling 
these feelings of being trapped and lost and living an inauthentic life. And it's only within us. It feels so big and it feels so heavy and it's so serious. And the pressure becomes so great that we do something nutty and we blow up everything and everyone around us. But when we decide to live candidly, to reveal rather than conceal, an incredible thing happens. In the Bible, it says, if you confess your sins, you will be healed. Do you see the beauty of that? Now, has the church completely ruined that with the way they've turned confession into a, a ritual and a, a robotic action? Yes, they've destroyed the beauty of the simple teaching that if you reveal, if you confess, if you bring something out into the light, there's a healing that happens. So it's so important if you're feeling these midlife crisis feelings, even if you're 70 or 28, that you tell people and that you tell the people it matters to. You don't go through the grocery store and say, ah, I'm having a midlife crisis. I think I'm going to you know, find a, a blonde with big tits in a red sports car and make myself feel better. No, they don't care. <laughs> but your partner does. <laughs> your kids do. I'm going to quit my job and start a business. I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Eh, your boss might want to know about that. So this is the mindful, grace-filled way to handle these inevitable feelings. Every person you see between the age of 40 and 60 is probably dealing with this to some degree, in some way. They're in a life that they're like, I don't know if this is really where I wanted to end up. I don't really know if I want to be living the life. I don't know if I want the body that I'm living in. I mean, physical fitness wise, I don't know if the financial place is where I want to be. I don't know if the relationship places, the professional places, the family place. They're dealing with some really heavy shit, which is why there's such prescriptions for anxiety and depression medication and why substance abuse is so high. Let me just go on a rant on this one. Why do we get into shopping addictions and gambling addictions? What, what, why do we get into these addictions that I would, I would call addictions of aliveness? See, there are some addictions that make us feel numb and dead. Alcohol, drugs, even though we can kind of feel happy and get party, they are numbing us. They're numbing us from feelings. They're deadening us. They're, they're, not, they're narcotics. It's narcoticization. We're going to sleep to uncomfortable feelings. But other addictions are like compensating and trying to make us feel alive, feel energized, feel happy. Oh, when I shop, 
oh, I get this jolt of adrenaline. When I gamble on football or something, oh, you know, I just feel. Why do we need to feel the jolt? Because very often we don't like the life we're living in. There's no natural juice. There's no natural passion. There's no natural joy. And we all want to feel alive. But I'm living a life. I don't know how I got here. I'm 45. I have kids and a wife I don't like and a job I hate. I'm going to gamble on fucking football. I'm going to get into porn. I'm going to go shopping. Does it make sense? So we can have compassion when feel when people are feeling these ways. And we can have the just the understanding of what's going on and we start we make more sense to ourselves. And so rather than gambling all your money away because you're not going to win. <laughs> you're not. And buying another outfit is not going to do it because you'll have to buy another one tomorrow. And deadening your feelings with alcohol or drugs or whatever else you might do, you're going to have to keep deadening them. At some point, you have to set aside the coping mechanisms, which is what all those things are, and deal with the real root. Then I'm not living a life that, I, that makes me feel alive. I'm not waking up every morning saying, oh, I'm so glad to be back. I, I, I love my life. I love who I'm with. I love what I'm doing. I, I, I can't wait to live. I can't wait for tomorrow. Most of us don't feel that way, especially between the ages of 40 and 60. It's like, oh, I got to go back to the, to the same job. Why do we look forward to the weekend? Because we hate Monday through Friday. Why do we go out with our friends and flirt and do different things? Because it gives us a little juice because we don't feel that way about our spouse. So we can do all that stuff and fuck up our lives. Or we can get real authentic and real honest. And say, what do I have to do? To wake up every morning and say, I'm back. I can't wait for today. What do we have to do? That might mean some big changes. But the changes won't be made in the dark. The changes won't be made abruptly to where you hurt everyone around you, including yourself. These changes might be more incremental. They might be made with more wisdom. Perhaps you start to do some smart things in these, in these moments where you tell the people around you, I'm dealing with some things, I'm going to therapy. Or I'm going on a silent retreat. I'm going to go sit in the woods by myself for a while and I, I got I to gotta, I gotta get clean with a couple things here with myself. Or I'm going to hire a coach. Because here's the thing, underneath, underneath the midlife crisis are other things that, that are really responsible for it. It's this, this repression thing. It can be that we went through trauma 
in our childhood, in our early adult years, that that trauma has never been dealt with. And then it it's starting to come out in our midlife and we don't know what to do with all these feelings. We think it's our we're with the wrong partner. We think, oh, I'm just in the wrong career. No, it's that you haven't dealt with trauma and you don't know what to do with it. And it, it looks, it's a mirage. It's not what it looks like. Your midlife crisis is not about what you think it's about. It's not about your job or your family, your kids or your wife or your husband. It's not about that. Most likely it's about something much deeper that you have been avoiding or running from. And so rather than, you know, get the blonde with the fake boobs or go out and buy the red Corvette and quit your job and whatever, Maybe it's better to go to a coach or a therapist and say, my life's falling apart right now. What's really happening? And you do some deeper inner work and, and you work on the right things. See, when you're having a midlife crisis, if you, if you work on the wrong things, if you make changes on the things that are not responsible for the feelings you're having, then your midlife crisis is going to circle around again and again and again because the shit that we haven't dealt with is going to keep coming up. Oh, it must be another wrong spouse. Oh, I must need another different career. Oh, must need another sports car. Must need a new blonde bimbo. You, you follow me? It's not that. And if you make it be about that and you think you're going to be happy, you're going to find out, no, because that you never dealt with the root issue. I think every person between the age of 40 and 60 should be in therapy or working with a coach. How about that one? <laughs> I was 45 when this shit hit the fan in my life. Total, total midlife crisis. My career wasn't going well. I didn't know how to deal with those feelings of failure. I projected that onto my wife. She wasn't the wife I needed. I need I need, I need a girlfriend on the side. Oh, God. Just running from my, my inner stories of being not good enough and being worthless and just projecting that onto my wife and my religion at the time. I made huge career changes. I was on the PGA tour. I left it to start a church. Holy crap. <laughs> that was a total midlife crisis move. I didn't feel like I was making a difference. I didn't feel like I was being successful, that I was achieving, that I was using my life for something of value. So rather than deal with those feelings, I said, oh, I just need a different career. Oh, I just need to be called by God. See, one of the things that we can really use when we're having these midlife crises is that we can really misuse religion. We can really defame God by either thinking, God wants me to do this or God's calling me to do this or something like that. We can spiritualize a lot of this stuff. 
and misuse our religion and our God to either validate our lousy choices or to continue running from feelings. I did. I completely misused my belief in God. Was completely unaware and unwilling to deal with the the lifelong pursuit of trying to be noticed by people in the world. That was my thing. My whole life was trying to get people to see me and to recognize me. And when I wasn't getting it, I went crazy. My wife wasn't noticed. I mean, she didn't want to have sex with me. How much more unnoticed can I go? I was on the PGA Tour, but I was at the bottom of the list, people. How much more unnoticed can I be? I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough to be here. Oh, let's go start a church. Because some people think you would be a good pastor. Oh, my God. I so don't belong in a religious environment. It's unbelievable. But I couldn't see that. Because I was blinded by these stories of deficiency that were running my life and all the the repressed trauma. And I just projected it onto my religion. I projected it onto my career. And I really projected it onto my ex-wife. And my son suffered for it. But I fucked up my life big time. Now, it all turned out to be a gift from God because in the middle of it, I did start to wake up. In the middle of it, I said, oh, wait a minute. After about my, you know, my midlife crisis, to be honest with you, started in around 1994 when I was 34. And it probably finished around 2005. Okay, but when I knew it was a midlife crisis, <laughs> it was about 2003. <laughs> but looking back, I was like, oh, shit, Roy, you were in it for a long time, man. You were scrambling and you were feeling like you were in the wrong place for the wrong reasons. And you were lost and confused. And right. I just I just didn't know it. But after I left my wife and my ex-fiance broke up with me and my whole life came crumbling down and I could barely function. Oh, okay. You're having a midlife crisis. Duh. Right? But it had been going on for a while. And it, it was being ignored, feelings being ignored. I was running from things and it all caught up to me. And initially, I made huge mistakes that hurt everybody, including me. But in the middle of it, thank God I had a couple of conscious friends who were able to say, well, what are you doing? One of them was my coach, but the other one is the one that told me to get a coach. I had some people lovingly with compassion say, Roy, uh, time to, time to do some work here. This ain't about your wife, man. It ain't about your golf career. It ain't about any of that stuff. It's not about God. And for whatever reason, maybe because I was in so much pain, I opened up to what they were inviting me to do. Which was stop with all the major life changes and get into doing some work on yourself. 
didn't take too long. For me, year and a half, two years, I, I really wised up. I really made tons of progress. And I really haven't had much drama in my life ever since 2005. My career got clear. I got on track. I'm with a great woman. I can tell you right now, I have an unbelievable life. <laughs> I do. I do. I do what I want to do. I do everything I do. I love to do. My wife sometimes, you know, she'll mention about retirement or somebody will mention retirement. I'm like, what are you talking about? Okay, if I retire, what am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to write, maybe coach a few people, play a lot of golf. That's what I do now. Like I'm already retired. Like, see, people live their whole lives to, so they can get to an age where they can retire and do what they want. I mean, fuck that. Do what you want now. Do, do, <laughs> live the retired life now. But if you're going to make big changes to do that, first do the inner work so you know what's really driving you and then make whatever changes that you feel like you need to make, make them gracefully. Make them in community. Make them in communication with everyone else around. Because there's a really good chance that you can make all the changes you need to in your life and not make any big giant changes. Like you might be able to stay in the same job. But perhaps you do the job differently. Perhaps you can renegotiate your job description, your your environment, your requirements. Perhaps you can redo the relationship you have with a partner and not have to leave. Right? So the the possibilities are endless to recreate a life that you feel like I love my life but without having to blow it up. But but you can't see that. You 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 can't find the wisdom. You can't find the way if you aren't doing the work on the underlying things that are behind the curtain turning the knobs and pushing the lever like the wizard of oz. Most of us have trauma behind the curtain. It's like that last series. Most of us are just wanting security or approval or control or oneness or freedom so much that that, that is what's driving us to make bizarre decisions. That's what's make us feel like we're living the wrong life because I'm not getting the approval that I always wanted or I don't have the control I want. So we don't have any idea of how to source those core wants from within. But the more we learn how to do that, which is what the whole last series was about, the more we learn how to do that, it can change the entire perspective on the life you're living. You might be able to fall in love with the life you have without changing anything. Or you might need to make some big wholesale changes. 
but you can do it from a conscious, mindful place where everybody is served. You can do it from a place of love rather than from fear. Does this make sense? And by the way, who needs to hear this podcast? Who do you need to send this one to? An ex? A sister? A parent? A child? Maybe they're 25 and they're having a midlife crisis. I, I, I think I'm pointing you in a good direction here. I think I'm offering you a perspective that if you incorporate these ideas and really give them space in your life, that whatever challenges you're going through, you can come out the other, other side saying, that whole thing I went through was a gift from God. Now, one of the things that I would love to do most as a coach is to have someone call me up and say, Roy, I'm right in the middle of a midlife crisis, man. Can you help? Oh, baby, can I? Not only from my training, but from my own personal experience. And that's what you want in this, right? If you're having a young life crisis, a midlife crisis, an old life crisis, you want someone who's kind of been in that foxhole with you. A lot of the lessons, a lot of the learnings that come in these things, you can't learn these in a book. You don't go to the university and learn this stuff. You learn this by living your own life, by dealing with people, by making your own explorations. So if you're 80 and you're really dealing with the fear of death, I probably you shouldn't work with me. I can have compassion, but I, I'm not there. But if you're having a midlife crisis or young life crisis, oh baby, been there, done that, can help you. So you know where to find me. Roy at coachingwithroy.com, 407-687-3387. You're going to have a midlife crisis if you haven't already. And there's a way to do it to where you come out of it a better person, everybody is served, and you feel like, thank you, God, for what I just went through because I was lost and now I'm found. I was blind and now I see. And so with that, we'll stop here. And next week, we're going to round out this three-part series by talking about an old life crisis. We're going to talk about the, the issues that come up between, say, 60 and 80? 60 and, I don't know, when we pass. Um, and that's going to be fun. So until next week, bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. 
be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.